uh, the, the passage that is before you, 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17, we'll get back to. But we're going to leave it for just a moment. I just want you to keep in mind what it said when it said, you are the temple of God. Now, I, I believe that I'm speaking to those who have given their lives to Jesus Christ. You believe that He is the Son of God? Yes. I guess. Yes. <laughs> yes. Amen? Yes. All right. And you have confessed His name. And you have been buried with Him by baptism so that you have been risen again with Him through the operation of God so that you're in a new life with Him. Now, the Bible is a big book. And two-thirds of this book, over two-thirds of this book, is called the Old Testament. And it covers about 1,200 years of history. More if you go back to Adam. But basically, from, from the book of Genesis through the, book of, uh, through the last book of the Bible, Malachi, then, then we have a history of God's people and of the prophets speaking to them. The New Testament has 27 books in it, and it's the shorter version, and it, and it, has, it, it takes about 100 years to complete everything that's in the New Testament. Well, I, I mention that because as we look at the, the purpose of God, and His purpose was to save you, He came to take you home, and He sent His Son specifically to get you and bring you home. That's what he came to do. And you wonder, well, why didn't he do it sooner? What took him so long to get it done? Why did it take so long? Why, why do we have so, so, so much information in the Old Testament that brings us up to the time of Jesus Christ and then it, it happens almost quickly in the blink of an eye? Why did it take so long? Was it because God didn't know what He was wanting to do? I don't think we can reach that conclusion. He knew what He wanted to do. God is omniscient. He knows everything. Basically, it was because we didn't know what we wanted to do. It was our problem. And He had to get it through our heads and into our hearts so we would know what God wants for us and how to do it. It's going to take a long time. Now the reason why I chose this text is because he refers to the temple in the Old Testament. Now if you have your Bible and would you like to open your Bible, I'll read some text in the Old Testament in a minute. But let's just think together for just a second about the temple of God in the Old Testament and how it started out. The reason we do this is because in order for us to reach, in order for God to reach us, in order to reach, for God to reach me, He had things He had to teach me. And I'm not always easy to teach. And I'm sure you're a lot easier than I am, but I'm not easy to reach. And so God took His time in developing and laying out all of the things that He wanted us to understand in, in a very detailed manner. And he used the temple in the Old Testament to 
to make an impression on you. Now that's why I want, uh, that's why I want to, to, to show you that sometimes when we're teaching our children, the best way to teach them is to, is to use an illustration. And the best way to teach me something, I'm tactile, is to show me something. Show me. Not only tell me, but show me. So what I'm going to suggest to you is that God wanted to make an impression on you by the temple. Now, I've always wondered, well, why the temple? What's going on with the temple? What was God doing with the temple? He was trying to make an impression on you. Now, when I say on you, I'm, I mean on me too. He was making an impression. In Romans chapter 15, verse 4, Paul said, Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. So whatever things were written aforetime, that means the 39 books in the Old Testament. What, whatever was written aforetime was written for my learning. And part of that learning had to do with the graphic illustration. And that illustration was the temple. We're going to show you that in just a second. Hebrews chapter 8 at verse 5 says, who, that they serve, talking about the priest in the Old Testament, under the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle for see, says he, that you make all things according to the pattern shown you in the mount. Now, what I want to do, what, the only thing I want to do this morning is to make an impression on you with the example God has given. I want an impression to be left on your heart about the temple. So, let's start. I don't know. John, you're going to have to help me here. There we are. Okay. Most of you are Bible students. You understand that when Moses took the children of Israel out of Egypt, he took them into the wilderness, and in the wilderness they, he went upon a mountain called Sinai. Right? Exodus chapter 19. While he was up there for a month and ten days, he was up there like from September, the first September, through about the middle of October. He was up there for 40 days and God was talking to him. And during that time, God was laying out what he wanted Moses to do and setting forth all the instructions he had for him. And part of those instructions had to do with building a tabernacle or a tent. I don't know how many of you have ever been camping. Some of you children have been camping in your backyard. Have you ever put up a little tent in your backyard and camped out? Well, that's what God was telling Moses to do. Make me a tent. And the tent that he was going to make him was a place where he was going to be with his people. And that they, they would evidence that, or he would evidence that, by a cloud over that tent. And that at nighttime, it was a cloud that actually glowed, looked like fire in it. So whenever God was with the children of Israel, he was with them at that tent. It started out just as a regular tent, and it, this is found in Exodus chapter 25 through chapter 40. This is the details of it. So when Moses started out, Moses could walk into just an ordinary old tent, and God would meet with him, and when Moses would come out, his face would be aglow. Because he'd been with God. And it frightened the people. 
But then God said, here, what I want you to do, Moses, I want you to have the children of Israel make me a tabernacle, a place where I can meet with them. Now, the, the tabernacle, the residence that he's going to take up with them, in chapter 25, verse 8 of Exodus, says, uh, bring me an offering. He tell, he, he's telling all the children of Israel, bring me an offering. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Okay. Build me a tent. Make me a tent. And the, the dimensions of that tent are, are very easy to, to figure out from, the, from Exodus. It was about 15 feet wide, about as wide as this, these pews. About 15 feet wide. And it was about 45 feet long, about as long as this building. Maybe these pews would represent the size of it. That's about how long it was. And inside that, there, there was a little place that was about seven and a half feet by seven and a half feet, and that was called a special place. Anyway, it was to be made of linen, fine linen. And all these details are given in, the, in these chapters from 25 through 40 of Exodus. Colorful animal skins, badger skins and ram skins, and, and they were very vibrant, vibrant colors. They had grommets and hooks and, and uh, different tashes and way, ways to put the curtains together. It's made of curtains. And these were overlaid with gold. These were gold and some were brass. Now, it was composed of two chambers. This tent was, as you can see it, maybe you can see it. It's in the middle. So you see, you see sort of a, a wall around it. And that wall was something like 75 feet by 100 feet by seven and a half feet tall. And the tabernacle was in the middle of it. Now Israel, the children of Israel, there were about 600,000 men over the age of 20, plus women and children. And they were camped by their tribes, three on each, three tribes on each side. And then Levi was in the middle. He was the last tribe. He was in the middle of this because he was, he was to take care of the, of the tabernacle. He was to do the service. And the high priest was there. The point that, that is being made and that you under, have to understand is 600,000 men could not get in that tent. They couldn't get, they couldn't get in it one at a time, one day a year. 365 days a year. And God said He only wanted them in there on, on the Saturday, on the Sabbath day. That's the only day He wanted them in. And he only wanted one man in there, and that was Aaron. He was the high priest. So all of Levite, all the Levites were priests, so only had one man in there. They were commissioned to do the service, and they were to go this this place was called a holy place. Please attach your mind to that word holy. It means distinct or separate. We even use the term special. Something that was not ordinary. So here was a tent that was holy. It wasn't ordinary. And here was a place inside that tent called the holiest place of all. That was that little room that we talked about just a minute ago. The outer chamber, in the outer chamber of that tent, there was a table of showbread. There was a, there was a seven-branch candlestick there was a table of incense on the 
holiest, the inner room. And then there was a big box that was called the Ark of the Covenant. And it had two oxen, sort of oxen, that had wings. And it, this thing was about seven feet wide, wide, just a little wider than my arm span. And about three feet wide and maybe about three feet deep. And in that box, and it was all overlaid with gold, by the way. Let's talk about gold just a minute. You know the difference in overlaying something with gold, I'm sure. Some of you do. You can gild something with gold. You can overlay something with gold. You can, you can, you can put gold on in a powder form. So there are different ways you can put gold on. And it, it ranges generally from about seven one millionths of an inch thick up to about, well, maybe a quarter inch sometimes. But anyway, the only way they had of putting gold on at that time was to flatten it out, pound it out and smooth it out and make big, big sheets out of it, like paper. One ounce of gold, according to their ancient ways of doing it, one ounce of gold could make about a 14 by 14 inch square of gold sheet. So they took this gold and they plated it. In other words, they put it on, they made the box of wood, shotgun wood is called. They made the box of wood and they put this, this gold foil on it and just covered it with gold. And the same thing with the Ark of Incense, the little horns that came up on each side of the Ark of Incense, where they put the showbread and so forth, not, not the Ark of Incense, but the table of showbread, they had the horns on each side, and, and this was plated with gold. Everything that was in, in this little room was gold plated, except the candlesticks. Now the candlesticks were made of pure gold, pure gold. Now... In order for make, to make it a beautiful place, which it was, and a holy place, God inspired a couple of fellows, Bezalel and Aholiab, who were craftsmen, and he inspired them and, let, and put them in charge of making all the curtains, all the covers, all the tapestries, and so forth. And by the way, the, the, the tent or the tabernacle, the sanctuary, was covered with thick animal skins for weather protection. So not only did it was it made of fine linen, beautiful fine linen, but they put they blue tarped it. <laughs> they put a weather protection over it so that it wouldn't be spoiled by the weather. Okay, the order of their service. I want to, I want you to turn to he, with me to Hebrews chapter nine, then, and I'm going to read kind of a lengthy text. The order of their service was this. It says in chapter nine at verse one. It says the first covenant, that was God's law to Israel, had ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, that's what we're talking about. The first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, that was the one they, they separated from the other, that was called the holiest of all. Holy of holies. Which had the golden censer, and that's the one where they, he lit the incense every day. Every, every time Aaron got up in the morning and went inside, he went inside this particular place and he started the incense burning. You'll recognize that later when you come back to 
the book of Revelation chapter 5, it talks about the incense being the prayers of the saints. So that was representing prayers, basically. So Aaron would go in and light that incense every morning. That's what he did every morning. Then it says, the, uh, the, they had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant. So the book of the law there. And had Aaron's rod that budded and had, the, had a, a bowl of uh, manna. And over it the cherubim of glory shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle accomplishing the service of God. Then in the second went the high priest alone once each year, not without blood that he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. Now, what we have is the focal point of the word holy. This tent, this whole courtyard was holy. And out in front, of course, they had a big basin of water where the priests washed up before they went in. And they had an altar where they offered sacrifices on the outside. But when they went inside, when they went inside, they saw all the golden things. Now, I want you to be impressed. I'll tell you what, if you came to my house and I had a big box that was overlaid with pure gold, I'm sure you'd think, hey, <laughs> that's something else. And if I had a golden candlestick, candelabra with seven lamps, and it had seven bowls on it, if I had something like that, you'd say, hey, this, this guy's got something in his house. Well, that's what was... You know what's happening? I am being impressed with this facility. I mean, I'm impressed. I can't go in there myself, but I can see how it was built. Now later, the ark and the, the, the tent was taken into the land of Canaan with Israel. They took it with them after 40 years. They kept carting it along and carrying the the ark and carrying all the different implements and they took it into the, the land of Canaan. And it ended up, the ark ended up in a, in a field called the field of Onan. And David said, hey, it's not right to leave this ark out here in the weather with down here where it doesn't belong. Let's bring it to Jerusalem. So he did. He got in trouble the first time he tried it. Then he did it right the second time. Now when he got to the city of Jerusalem, he said, now what I want to do because this is the Ark of the Covenant, and it's got the law in it and so forth, and it's made of gold. I don't know if, even, if they even had the golden candlesticks still. I don't know. Or the table of incense. I'm not sure where they had, but they had the Ark. And David said, I've got to get this Ark to town. Get it into town. Get it into Jerusalem. So, he brought it to town, and he asked God, he said, how about, he said, I'm living in a nice house, let me build you a house. And God said, no, you're a man of war. You can't do that. But I'm going to let your son build me a house. Let me back up just a minute. You know how long it took to build this tabernacle in the wilderness? Probably a little over a month, month and a half or so. That's all. Couldn't have been much longer than six months, if, if that. They went at it and got it built. 
When God told Solomon, you can build me a temple. You can build me a temple. And, and this, is, this is found in 1 Kings chapter 6 and 2 Chronicles chapter 3 through chapter 5. Okay. Solomon said, asked God if he could build a temple. And God said, yes, you can. And you know how long it took Solomon to build that thing? Seven years. Seven years. I'll tell you how big it was. Let's just, let's just talk about the size. It was, it was 90 feet wide. The first one was 15 feet wide. This next one is 90 feet wide. And it was 180 feet long. And it was 20 feet tall. Wow. Solomon built a house, didn't he? He built something. And yet Solomon knew when he got through, when he got through building the house, he said something that, that we need to keep, keep in mind. He said in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 18 through 21, he says, Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you, how much less this house which I have built. What happened when Solomon finished this house was that the cloud came in and filled the house. So they knew that God was there. Okay, but let's talk about it just a minute. God had inspired other workmen, and of course he, 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 this work was overseen by those who were inspired of God. And they had to go, they didn't have all the, the uh, facilities they needed in order to build the temple. So they had to go to, and there it is, they had to go to a fellow by the name of Hiram up in Tyre and Sidon and subcontract to him. And he brought all the workmen and all the materials and everything down, and he did the work. Solomon prayed when he finished this house. He prayed that God's eyes might be opened upon this house day and night. And that God would put His name there. And listen to the prayers of those who prayed toward that place. In 2 Chronicles 6, 20-21. Now, let's talk, about, let's talk about what went on in there. First of all, the Holy of Holies, when they got in... And they say that the, that the porch that led up to it, the steps that led up to it were about 100 feet wide. And when they got into, into the house itself, it was, it was all, now listen carefully, covered with gold. Now wait a minute. Everything was covered with gold. Everything was plated with gold. Not just the implements and the service, but the walls and the ceiling. It doesn't say the floor was. But the walls and the ceiling were covered with gold. These things were 20 feet tall. This building is not 20 feet tall. The walls, 20 feet tall. It was something like 20 times as large as the tabernacle, Holy of Holies. Are you impressed? I'm telling you what, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. And everything that they had in that Holy of Holies was completely covered with gold. When you walked inside that place, if you could, and you came inside, 
Everything was sparkling gold. Everything. Now, come over to Bill's house, Bill and Bonnie's house. And you walk in the front door and the foyer's covered with gold. And we've got a little stand there, a little coat rack. It's gold. And we, we have another guest, whatever it is, <laughs> that we bought. And there it is in the, in the foyer. And it's covered with gold. And you walk into the kitchen and all of our appliances are gold. And you look at our counters and it's all gold. Our dishes are gold. Everything is gold. And you say, hey, <laughs> these guys are something else. They are, they've got it made. They've got it going. That's what this place looked like. Everything was gold. I mean, everything they had was gold. So It was so expensive. It was, well, let me say one other thing. Most of you who understand and have read the Bible know this, that there was not a hammer lifted on that temple. There was not the sound of a hammer tapping when they built this thing. It was subcontracted, and it was manufactured off site when they put it together they came in silently it was quiet they came in silently and constructed it mortise and tendon joints they put it all together without one sound of a mallet striking a piece of metal or wood nothing are you impressed I'm telling you I am impressed I'm impressed with what they did and I'm impressed with that place. You know what I'm going to call it? I'm going to call it the holy place. It is distinct. It is special. It is beyond ordinary. You know, I don't know why, but basically that was probably one of the seven wonders of the world, or maybe the wonder of the world. All the nations around wanted to get at it. And they wanted to come plunder it and they wanted to take it back as a treasure, take it back home. It was obviously the greatest wonder of the ancient world. But it was destroyed. Sennacherib came with the Asians, Assyrians, and he, he did part of the destruction. And then later on, Nebuchadnezzar came and carried everything away and even took everything out of the building itself and took it into Babylon. And there, there's, there's where it remained. And then, you remember when uh, Daniel was in the court of the Babylonians? And one night they were having a big banquet. And you know what they pulled out to serve everything on? They pulled out all the service from the temple, all the golden cups and censer and so forth. And they began to have a party with all of this. And there was a big wall and on that wall a finger wrote many 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 tickle upsilon and they didn't know what it meant what it meant was you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting that night that night the medians came into the city and destroyed it and tore it down Israel was brought back, this was about 400 years before Christ. Israel came back to, this, to Jerusalem. They, they came back under Nehemiah and Ezra. 
and tried to re reconstruct everything, but they didn't get everything reconstructed. But when Herod came along, he rebuilt the temple. He rebuilt it. And he built it bigger and grander than it was before. I have a depiction. Take a look at that just a minute. That's going up into the temple. That's sort of what it looked like. Josephus gives a pretty good description of it. Out in front of the temple, there were two large pillars. Huge. This place was, when Herod finished it, it took him 46 years to get it done. This place was 20 stories tall. 200 feet tall. Now, when Jesus came, that's, that's, what he, that's what was there when Jesus was here. And he did, he did more to the interior of the temple than Solomon did. And it was grander. There were great vines made of gold that wrapped around these huge pillars that stood out front. 200 feet tall vines with grapes, golden grapes on them as tall as a man. Are you impressed? I'm telling you what, friend, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. They said that when they they approached the city of Jerusalem and the sun was up behind them, it looked like the sun was coming up when they saw the temple. And it had the white top on it. And they said it looked like snow on top of the mountain. This was impressive. Let's get back to our word holy, okay? This was the holy place. It was the holiest of holies on the inner place of this. It was different, and it was holy. Now, how did the people in Israel think about this? I'm going to, I'm going to read something to you. Basically, it won't be word for word, but I want you to listen carefully to what I'm saying about this idea of holy. It is distinct and different. Now, you're thinking God was in the holiest of holies. He, that's where He was. That's what it made it holy. He was there. And you're right. The holy of holies. Holiest place of all. Let's think about that just a minute. I looked at the uh, Jewish virtual library. This, this brings us up to, the, up to date. This isn't old time stuff. This isn't archaeology. This is up to date. And it, it's written by the, under the direction of the uh, American and Israeli cooperative. And there they tell us about holiness. You remember the, the seraphim in Isaiah chapter 6? You, you may have... May or may not have remembered them. Anyway, these were beasts with wings. And they cried day and night, Holy, holy, holy. And the beast in Revelation chapter 6, surrounding a throne of God, are crying, Holy, holy, holy. What they're saying is special, different. It's not the same as ordinary things. And this obviously is not ordinary, is it? No, not ordinary at all. Now, let's listen to what the Jewish concept of holiness was. They said, in this article, in this, this, uh, this information, they said, the world is holy. The holiest land in the world is Israel. The holiest city in Israel is Jerusalem. The holiest place is the temple. 
The holiest people are Israel. The holiest Israelites is the tribe of Levi. The holiest Levites are the priests. The holiest priest is the high priest. The holiest day of the week is the Sabbath. And the holiest Sabbath is the day of atonement. Israel had to be at the temple three times a year. All the men did. And the, whole, and the biggest day for them was the day of atonement. And they said they speak the holiest language because the holiest language in the world is Hebrew. And the holiest Hebrew word is the Torah, which is the Old Testament, the law. The holiest law is the Ten Commandments. The holiest commandment is the name of God. That shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The holiest hour is when the high priest enters the holiest of holies on the day of atonement. And the most dangerous moment for mankind is this. If the priest has one bad thought or says one bad word, the whole world will be destroyed. Now talk about feeling like something's holy. Wow. You know what? Peter said in 1 Peter 1, verse 15 and 16, Be ye holy as God is holy. What's he saying? You be holy. What is the lesson we're getting from the tabernacle and the temple? Is it, what impression are you getting? That is a fabulous place. The holy of holies. You know what that depicts? Do you have any idea what that depicts? That depicts your heart, my friend. It's your heart. That's where God lives. That's His temple. Wow. I'll tell you what. I am impressed. God looks at Billy and says, I see, I see the most beautiful place in the whole world. He wants in my heart. Isn't that something? That's what he's talking about. You are the temple of God. The Spirit of God dwells in you. If you think you have no value at all, if you think, well, I'm I'm worthless, why would God be... And I think about this all the time. Why is God concerned about me? I'm a mere lump of clay. There's nothing to build. There's nothing to me. And yet, you know what? When God looks at me, He says, Bill, I see the most beautiful place on earth in your heart. That's what He's saying. Because I am the temple. You are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you. If I've done nothing else this morning, going back to that 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 17, I hope I've impressed you with the fact of what God sees in your heart what He sees in you and how valuable you are. You are the temple of God. Let's stand and sing a song of invitation.